All right, what's going on, everybody? This is Big Mac and Roe. This is the Peanuts and Corn Podcast 2021. And we are back with uh, my man, Bazooka Joe 204, who um, today is today is Thanksgiving. And so this week is an exciting week because the record is coming out. The single, the next single is coming out called Look It. And the album is called Prairie Nelson. And it comes out on Friday. Friday? Friday. And Friday. Yes. So that's exciting, and so we're going to do episode two here and get into three more songs from the record and three more songs that are related to the song somehow and get into that. But let's start with pumping up the album, Prairie Nelson, coming out on Friday, Peanuts Corn Records. It's on our band camp. It'll be on all the streaming services, I hope. Uh, I got the approval last week that it was approved. That means it should all go through the system and show up on all the streaming services Thursday night late. And what about your uh, what about uh, your show? I mean, this is going to drop on Tuesday morning, on the twelfth. So you know, early adopters, people who listen to this podcast early on, can check you out live for the first time in quite some time. What can you tell us about the show? The show is Friday, October fifteenth, at the Beer Can at the Granite, which is a beautiful outdoor venue. So we're crossing our fingers for some pretty decent weather. I feel. I have a gut feeling, if that means anything, that that it's that we're gonna do this. That it's gonna be beautiful out. That the that the fall, the crunching fall leaves will only add to the aesthetic and the splendor. Um, and yeah, tickets are ten dollars right now. They're available through Eventbrite. Um, my man Yai, of course, is uh, gonna play an opening set. It's, it's pretty rare that you see me play, and and Yai's not there. Uh, and then we got another great local opening act named Cairo. It's a younger, up-and-coming MC. Uh, can rap like crazy. Has a great voice. All the things that make me happy. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to play it. I I I believe it's been you know about two years since I've had a live show. Nice. I've been doing some yeah. I've been doing some rehearsing. Voice feels good. I'm not running out of breath. I'm in considerably better shape and in better health now than than the last few times I rapped. So good. Don't expect uh, don't expect circus ballet style acrobatics, <laughs> but uh, but I will be stomping the stage with more authority than I than I was recently. I think that's great. That's great. I wish I could come. Um, I cannot come. I'm pretty sure. I will check and see if there's any like super cheap flights on Saturday. And if I'm not doing anything, maybe I'll come, or no, Friday. But I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. I live in Vancouver, for those that don't know. And Bazooka Joe 204 lives in Winnipeg. And that is where the show is. And, um, but we, it's too late now. I'm going to be advertising that McEnroe is going to be there and we can blame it on flights. Yeah. Well, we'll see <laughs> if the flights, if they're, if a free, free flight drops in my lap, I may just show up, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, so we uh, we're dropping a new single for the album that comes out on Wednesday. So what happens? The podcast comes out on Tuesday. The single comes out on Wednesday. So let's get into this single because I'm I'm assuming you'll play this live. Will you play this live, Bizuku Joe Two Hundred Four? Will you play? Going, will you play? Look it. <laughs> I I will. I'm I'm going to try to play the whole album from front to back. And oh, wow. fortunately, Look It is not one of the 
most challenging breath-wise songs. I have it down pat. Great. It's it's the first song on the record. It it bangs and uh, and I'm excited to play it. All right, let's listen to it then. This is Bazooka Joe 204, the first song and the new single uh, from the Prairie Nielsen album that drops on Friday, 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 Friday. This is Look It. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. From the north with the poor in the faceless. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. Say cab every day we on the same shit. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. From the north with the poor in the faceless. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. It's a cab every day we on the same shit. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. From the north with the poor in the faceless. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. Say cab every day we on the same shit. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. From the north with the poor in the faceless. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. It's a cab every day we on the same shit. Look at where I come from. Look at all my people. Looking for the lump sum, meaning like an easel. Up against the wall, eat the rich, William Regal. Walking through the hood, man. Should've wrote a CD. My homie like T2. Money on the T3s. Looks like Beetlejuice sleeping in a deep freeze. Jumped out the window from the eighth story. Crystal Lake Kim folk chasing fucking Voorhees. Look at where I come from. No, it's so icy. Are you my cousin? She like, bitch, I might be. Said she had a secret. She needs a nightly. Excited by blood, leaned in and tried to bite me. Look at how we die. Look at all my dead friends. See them on the north side, see them in the west end. Ain't nobody listening, so it ain't a question. Lost a couple decades. Watch me for the next ten. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. From the north with the poor and the faceless. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. Say cab every day we on the same shit. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. From the north with the poor and the faceless. Look at where I come from. Look at who I came with. It's a cab every day we on the same shit. Look at where I come from, look at who I came with For a little something, some the shit could get dangerous At a kitchen table, pile full of wake up On a two-dayer with the drug then the fake cup My homegirl stayed up, hit with the heat rash Now she all over the place, sent the E-Tran Pulling out the trump card, put it on her visa Nine hours later, like, where my, where my G's at? Look at where I come from, look at Big Mike He stand about five four and swing a big pipe He'll let you watch him piss for some chicken and a Sprite A bottle and a prison, you could get him for the night Look at how we end up, look at all the empties Not a set between us, scheming on a sentry Bloody done broken, believers and skeptics Blacked out windows, freeway to the exit Look at where I come from, look at who I came with from the north with the poor and the faceless Look at where I come from, look at who I came with Say cab every day we on the same shit Look at where I come from, look at who I came with From the north with the poor and the faceless Look at where I come from, look at who I came with It's a cab every day we on the same shit
That is a gritty song. Very gritty. Swanging and banging. <laughs> some uh, some girl characters in that song. Can you tell us uh, a little bit more about the inspiration and that kind of thing? You know, when I heard the beat, uh, I felt like it had a real anthemic quality to it. Um, so I knew I wanted to target it for Prairie Nilsson, which I, I believe when I first started writing it was kind of a collection of really specific songs. And um, yeah, so I just, I kind of sat down with it and started writing. I came up with the hook first and um, the hook was actually like a note that I had in my phone. So I had held on to it for a little while. It was something I came up with that I just held on to and rattled around for a while. And um, uh, as soon as I started the writing proper process, that's when I realized what I'm going to do here is just kind of these small vignettes about little people within the within the verses or sorry, these <laughs> they're not little people. <laughs> uh, these small vignettes about people like people that I actually met when uh, you know in 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 kind of you know I don't know if I would describe it as rock bottom but but you know there's uh there's kind of a community that pops up around you know misery um, uh, being shared among people and the burden being shared among people and that's where we end up and you know like. Um, I mentioned Greg um, jumping from the eighth story, mm -hmm. but Greg, the person I knew who's now passed away, um, unfortunately, he, he, he didn't, he passed away after I wrote this song, but um, when I mentioned, he survived jumping out of uh, a third story window, right? and he told me you know, he's he, when he when he when he finally told me the story because there was this rumor around that this guy who was mostly sober, who uh, who, who kind of worked around in and around one of the bars that I worked at, uh, had jumped out of the third story window and survived. And he always told me it was more like three and a half stories because okay. the stories were a little bigger than most. He was really <laughs> proud of that. Right. And uh, and that's why I say it's the eighth because uh, in. In drug parlance, an eighth is three and a half grams. Uh, so it's like three and a half stories when I say the eighth story. Got it. Um, but yeah, so Greg's a real person. There's some other real people in the story. The the woman uh, leaning in and trying trying to bite me while she tells me that she kind of has a thing for blood. Um, that was that's a real story that happened at Bleachers here in Winnipeg. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, and it just goes on and on that way. You know, like there's a little bit of a story about a guy named Big Mike that's a little bit fictionalized, but isn't far off from what I learned about sex work in some of those some of those downtown bars in Winnipeg. And yeah, uh, yeah you know, I, I, I really like it and I'm proud of it. I talk quite a bit lately about how there are no anthems for the losers. Yeah, uh, especially in rap music and some of the best shit I like, you know, like I'm a little bit of a late adopter, but it really struck me when I was started listening to Griselda because, you know, those rappers have such a good handle on everything, the flow, the imagery and all that. But, you know, it's approached from the perspective of the winner 
um, and it often kind of, you know, there's there's kind of pot shots taken at, at the addicts, you know, and, and pot shots taken at the lower level dealers. And um, and to me, those are the more interesting stories. So so I set out to make, you know, an, an anthem for the losers. And that's something I've really taken with me even beyond this project where, you know, I'm, I'm making a point of making bangers from the perspectives of, of the so-called losers because, you know, I'm treating it like a mission now, uh, basically. Yeah, I guess there's, you know, I think there's a fair amount of, um, of drug talk in that or, you know, maybe maybe more code in that song as well. Then I guess it's, again, from the perspective of more of a user and not so much of like a baller or someone who'd be higher up the food chain yeah exactly and and you know there's there's a lot of people who got who were higher up the food chain writing better songs about it than me so uh, you know i'm not i'm not gonna be pretend to to be one of those guys i'm more i'm closer to the people who would be the object of disdain in those songs right uh and you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna front like uh like i wasn't and um you know i think the obvious uh parallel to this song in your catalog is which we'll get into is is the kinship of the down and out which is kind of you know sums up what this song is too as far as that you know uh, who you're trying to represent yeah and and um you know we i've talked a little bit about uh i don't know if it was on this podcast but you know there's been a few interviews recently but i've talked a little bit about um you know, in regards to things like class, maybe not having the vocabulary to discuss it with more nuance, um, and kinship and uh, look at both are kind of uh, kind of songs about mutual aid societies, and um, and you know that's kind of a phrase that I've only recently learned what it means. Uh, it's popped up more, especially in regards to, you know, social justice. Um, and, and yeah, it, you know, like Kinship and Look at Both are kind of examples of people maybe not having all that they need as as uh, single units, but, mm -hmm. but being able to put together what they need through the connections made in these situations and and the other thing is is you know like i used to i used to have a i used to take a pretty defensive and and derogatory position on on certain types of drug use you know like i i think i think people are kind of taught like this is okay and this isn't isn't okay so you know it's like you know especially for young white people there's a lot of leeway there um, you know, weed's okay, booze is okay, anything harder than that is a referendum on, on your worth as a person and your and, uh, and your existence. Yeah. There are real, genuine relationships forged out of these situations and even just out of proximity, you know, like a lot of the people I'm describing lived in uh, rooming houses uh, at hotels halfway houses places like that and uh and they're not you know contrary to what a lot of people believe they are not provided with enough or their habits and addictions uh put them in a place where it's it's not enough because you know the the support and the resources and any money they get their hands on 
you know, goes right towards acquiring what you need, you know, to get your fix. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, there is a, there, there are these small communities based around beverage rooms or, you know, where you live or, you know, people that, uh, that all meet like at a silo mission mm-hmm. or Salvation Army, for instance. So, right. So yeah. So that's kind of, that's the, you know, the organizing structure and idea behind the song. Well, let's check this out. This is, um, this is the, your classic video as well in the single that we put out, I think in 2003. So that's something like 18 years ago. That's, this is the kinship of the down and out. Like it or love it, come on The kinship for the down and out and win it 
gotta stand our ground All people hold tight, this land is ours Let them know all night we gonna shout it loud Murder, the down and out, cut down, the down and out Pips get the down and out, honey cut, the down and out Man growth, the down and out, Mac and roll, the down and out Satchel pay, the down and out, big yard, the down and out Fortify, the down and out, at large, the down and out Kinetic, the down and out, big king, the down and out Influence, the down and out That's uh, the kinship of the down and out. That is from Pinky's Laundromat, two thousand and three, I believe, and uh, classic track. There was a video for that track, directed by Jason LaPere. Did it ever make it onto Much Music? I can't remember. Did it get played? Uh, yeah, I think. You know, I don't think it was a lot. It, w- it wasn't Much Music. It was a little music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we got like a. I think you know something like a half dozen spins, kind of kind of you know once in a while it wasn't like a connect uh or a concerted effort to to get it over or anything but but uh, right. we did get in there yeah um and that's from the pinky's laundromat project which is a very focused storytelling you know north end winnipeg you know um concept album basically right can you you could probably elaborate on that better than i can yeah, um, you know, after Blunderbuss, after Park Like Sang and Blunderbuss, and um, I don't know if Wieners came before or after that. I think it was after, but um, Wieners was yeah, after, before. Yeah, uh, after. It was before. Yeah, it was before, so. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I had started to kind of settle into writing and really you know, make it do what I want it to do rather than, you know, it kind of lead me around by the rhymes, which is kind of what it felt like at the start there. Um, you can hear my voice starting to gain a little bit of authority. Uh, um, you can hear in the bars, I start um, kind of parceling them out in a little more traditional way, flow-wise, you know, not trying to squeeze too much in or do too much. And um, yeah, it represented a really like a like what i felt was like a big leap yeah and uh people responded in kind it was really popular it got a lot of attention at least locally and and you know kind of maybe poked its head on the in nationally um certainly the song that i've played the most over my career and probably the one that that people that resonated with people the most you know like if we're talking about biggest song yeah it's a little bit hard, harder to do as an indie yeah but but um yeah i think it's you know it's between kinship and and any time as far as what people are asking for when i play shows right um and yeah i guess it's sort of those same sort of themes of of the people the people you meet kind of in the you know, in this, as they struggle, or in this, you know, in those communities. Yeah, um, I, I made a, you know, I wrote, 
I wrote the the majority of Pinkies when I was kind of spending time up north. I was in Churchill. I was in uh, Rankin Inlet, Nunavut, for a big part of the writing, and uh, I was just kind of collecting stories and and modifying them. Um, and the other thing is, is you know the the North End in Winnipeg, uh, a lot of Indigenous people. I think it's important at this point to to mention, you know, like in retrospect, when I listen to this and I say the land is ours, you know, I'd have I have a different opinion on that now. Um, you know, Indigenous people are the rightful caretakers of this land. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going, you know, uh, you know, in my defense, when I say ours, I'm referring to underdogs you know I'm, yeah. I'm referring to the people that you traditionally would run into in the north end of winnipeg but um there's also a lot of there's also a lot of northern manitoba in there as well and you know and that's something kind of reflected even in even in look it where um you know as a person from the north uh i could you know i could go sit in a nice cocktail lounge or or a place like that or i could go find a beverage room in the downtown of winnipeg where inevitably you meet a bunch of people from northern manitoba who are in winnipeg and uh and so all of that is is reflected in pinkies and in in kinship right and there is actually um when people get to listen to the whole album start to back nine tracks we also got um a cool little um, snippet from a documentary of someone you know. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so on the album, I believe it precedes uh, uh, That I Knew What For and uh, that's a friend of the family's. His name's Dave Lundy um, and yeah, it was just you know, it was incredible it was an, it was an incredible coincidence. I, you know, I discovered that the National Film Board had all tons and tons of documentaries up on their website for free, and so I went looking for Churchill stuff, not necessarily to sample, just because I was interested. And uh, so I turned it on, and yeah, there's a uh, there's a friend of the family's like like when I say friend of the family, I mean when I have the album release party, there will be Winnipeg family. Uh, you know of the uh, of of Dave Lundy in the audience. So right. I mean, I mean, tight for real. Um, when I go home, I'm kicking it with the Lundy clan. They're 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 good people, my people, and um, and yeah, like you know, basically he tells a little story about how you know if you come down to Winnipeg uh, and you're thirsty for a beer, you could go stand, you know. You could you could go stand outside a church or a bar and and ask people for a loan for hours and you're not getting nothing. But if you're in Churchill and you need it, you can head uptown, which is funny because it's there's only 900 people in Churchill. But <laughs> well, when when people talk about going out, they talk about going uptown. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, basically it's it's like a fun little speech from him while he's having a few beverages. Uh, talking about how no one's gonna no one's gonna leave you thirsty outside the bar. Someone is gonna, you know, slide you a fiver, dust you off, and pull you into the into the pub with them. There's a little more community and a little more looking out for each other. Yeah, 
least at least when it comes to beverages. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and while we're on the topic of pinkies, you um, let's talk a little bit about sort of your future plans because I know. Um, you know, you and I have been working on several projects sort of at the same time, slowly. And, um, and you mentioned talking about doing some more, doing sort of a sequel to Pinkies. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say in the early stages, I would, I would say, you know, I've got full songs written and I've got. I've kind of conceptualized the whole thing. I, I know I picked up the beats for most of it, so um, you know I wouldn't say we're close to completion, but we've got the meat on the bone for what is going to be the unofficial, the unofficial official uh, sequel to Pinkies. Um, basically, the protagonist of Pinkies, who is a guy who works in a laundromat, is is now working in a bar and you know again it's just a great device for kind of introducing people and personalities and i've been collecting stories about the people and personalities around me um and yeah um i'm really excited to get it out there people love pinkies i I think of my albums it's the one that people want to talk about the most Uh um yeah and you know it's 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 coming along. I'm excited to get it out there for people. Before COVID hit, I was actually planning it to be a stage play, not entirely inspired by something like Hamilton. Uh, although I thought it would be funny <clears throat> uh, to name the bar that the uh, that the bartender works at, the Hamilton, just just for jokes. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm, you know, in, in I'm, I'm looking at it a little differently now, and I'm looking at it like a little bigger. Like if, you know, if we get to a safe place sometime soon, I'd love to see it work as a stage play with different characters rapping different things. I've even written towards those ends a little bit. So you know, one of the characters and one of the songs that I've worked on involves uh boosters you know so if you if you've ever worked in a in one of the one of the downtown bars with a little more character you'll know that boosters come in with meat and cheese and kind of lay them out on a pool table and then kick you their sales pitch and, and sell it to you at a highly discounted rate um i've never taken any meat home from a bar <laughs> but uh but some people that's the only way they're eating steaks um, and so, yeah, so the character that I've written in, you know, has a, a meth addiction and raps in very, very quickly okay. in a very intricate way. So, for instance, that would be Yai's part, you know. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, and there's a few stories, you know. Another one is, is a true story based on uh, a couple that essentially use their VLT addiction as foreplay. Um, they used to come into a bar that I worked at together drop a hundred bucks pushing the buttons and in getting increasingly frisky with each other in the bar and then they would <laughs> then they would be really open about like okay you know like we had our night out our, our date night or whatever and now we're going home <laughs> right um and yeah i don't i don't, I don't want to give too much of it away but uh it's packed full of stories like that um and uh yeah it, it's it's something i'm gonna work i'm gonna work a little bit you know it, it's 
it's a little when you when you're writing a high concept thing you want everything to be infused with a little more thought and a little more planning so that's that's kind of where we're at is that i got all the pieces and i'm just kind of manipulating them now right that sounds great uh, all right let's get another track going from um from prairie nelson this is a track i really like and um a beat that i was going to use for years but never did and you just killed it so let's get right into it this is the prestige and um yeah we're definitely talking class and on this episode because i think every song sort of is is on the on this vein we don't really veer too far off that so let's get it right into this this is uh sort of more your perspective on the upper class perhaps um but let's have a listen this is the prestige this is also from prairie nelson that's the prestige that's a quick hitter um i like that song a lot i've always liked it that was one of the original songs we just sort of did two or three waves of this album and i think that was in the first wave and was really excited about it and um you know it's funny when i do some of these beats you know and i sit on them for a really long time um because i think we talked last episode about what song iowana 
And that's from the same sort of batch of beats that I did probably 10 years ago. And, you know, so the basic beat was sort of there. And then you, you know, you wrote to it more recently and made, and then we sort of finished it. Um, and there's a lot newer stuff on this album. It's not like every beat here is, is 10 years old, but um, what can you talk about about that song? Well, you know, that song kind of just came that, you know, I, I, I kind of often talk about how uh, people in the arts kind of like to talk about things just kind of flowing out of them. And that's not really the way, you know, intricate lyric writing works, you know, like you can definitely find a groove and, and ride it and things kind of feel effortlessly and like they're springboarding into each other. But, you know, writing can be a really cerebral process whereas this one is one of those ones where it's it's very emotional it's just kind of spilling out um mm -hmm. you know the, the the sound of the the beat kind of dictates that maybe yeah. you know the frenetic kind of quality what it reminds me of um and i can't remember who told this to me but i was i played it for someone and they said it's like sitting beside a really drunk person at the bar and they're just kind of like hot breath is on your face as they <laughs> break down some sort of a complex political idea <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what it's like you know the the, the first part of it uh the, i mean the hook you know ultimately uh, when it comes back into play um you know talking about drinking with punks in the rain and, and things of that like like i feel like that ties into the aesthetic and the uh, and that idea that you know we could be sitting at the albert and i could just be yelling a little bit too loudly at you about something i'm a little too passionate about but maybe don't have the ideas or presence to articulate too well so it kind of reads like a list of grievances but yes. but you know i want to you know i want to i the real central part of it to me, or at least the thing that got it rolling, is uh, something that I see on the news here in Winnipeg a lot. I'm sure it happens all across Canada, but it's really frustrating for me and it just kind of shows you how poor people are an afterthought. And, and, and what it is, 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 you know, you can turn on the six o'clock news in the, you know, anytime in the spring, summer or early fall. Um, and and just have the leading news of the day be the fact that it's getting nice out and getting night and and you know that that the weather is good and when and the, when the weather is good there's this inevitable turn to talking about being at the lake uh -huh. being at the cottage right and uh i you know i'd really like to know what the percentage of people in manitoba and especially in winnipeg is who own a second place you know what i mean yeah um, because most of the people I know don't own cottages and when you're kind of when, when a news person is kind of gleefully reporting on how fun it's going to be at, out at the cottage this weekend I feel like you know maybe maybe I take offense to more things than most people that probably fuels a lot of these songs uh, <laughs> yeah. and the energy behind them but you know to me frankly that's bullshit you know yeah um it's really hard for people without money to access beaches and nature. Uh, you see it all the time. People of color 
especially are you know are like subject to abuse for trying to enjoy uh, nature uh, because it's been seen the, as the domain of of kind of upper class white folks for so long. I mean, Jesus, uh, up until recently, there were signs on beaches in Winnipeg that told you you weren't allowed to bring your dog or Jewish people on them. You know, so really, yeah. So there's 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 privilege behind these things that doesn't get examined a lot. So that's you know that's kind of what the song is about. I tie it into you know the. The kind of focal point for most people when I play them this song is the two line, the the repeated line, the boathouse bigger than my whole folks place. Oh, folks whole place, yeah. Yeah, um, and you know the, I was in a situation like that before. I got invited out to enjoy someone's cabin, kind of in the Kenora area, and I got there and literally the what they called a cabin was bigger than my folks's place. And on top of that, on top of that, there was a boathouse separate from it which was also really nice so <laughs> yeah. so yeah so this is just i mean this is the close closest you can get to full-on ranting uh yeah. and raving but it's um, also like a key theme where you know and i've seen you talk about this on twitter and stuff where it's like you know you hear these stories about these people who made it big and all this and all they did was inherit a million dollars from their parents or whatever right like you know, you talk, I think, a little bit in that song about the privilege, the starting out privilege and, and having that as the as the springboard, you know? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, it, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a trope at this point, but like, you know, there's just, there's a real idea that somehow, you know, your parents or their parents making a bunch of money is somehow virtuous in in any way and and I kind of work towards debunking that by talking about the activities you know like you know I mentioned the Reeves and the lawyers and you know the judge in your case is a weekend warrior you know I when I got sentenced to house arrest the the judge who sentenced me made this big point of um, you know because I was a musician, he was trying to like speak to me as a musician, and he and he brought up Oscar Peterson as an example. You know, he was he was like he was like you consider yourself a musician, but Oscar Peterson didn't sell marijuana. You know what I mean? Um, and I later looked it up, and the judge was part of one of the founding uh, sponsors of the Winnipeg Jazz Festival, which was interesting. Uh, and then later I got a, a little bit of information about the judge and his family and, you know, the judge's daughter uh, was kind of a notorious personality on on the court and strip here in Winnipeg. Right. Um, uh, who was pretty open about uh, indulging in drug use and was rich enough that she had a diamond in her tooth. Wow. Um, and so, you know, like those people, you know, they they look down on the recreation and escapism of of poor people but you know they make recreation and escapism a part of their personas the things you own and and the property you own become central to your existence to yeah. the point where you know you're buying fucking merch about how much you love being at the lake you know or your fucking wine o'clock <laughs> things of that nature yeah so, um, so yeah, you know, I, 
I'm keen to talk about it when I'm out, when I'm on that bar stool, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to express it in a song, and you know, this beat, which um, to me reminds me so much of a of a really really important song and video by an artist named Aphex Twin. Uh, the song's called Window Liquor. There's there is parallels between this beat and between a, a, a very specific breakdown towards the end of Window Liquor. I, I say by the end of it because it's like a sprawling kind of seven minute long opus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've, I've really, really like Aphex Twin. I've got some problems with him politically, but uh, there's no denying that he's probably, you know, the most widely recognized widely recognized as the height of electronic music period you know genreless uh, experimental way out there and um, and yeah so when I first heard this it blew my mind that it sounded like window liquor because I've always wanted to rap over that part of it uh, and I've always had an affection for kind of frenetic chaotic beats I don't believe there's enough of it in modern rap music um, and you know that's probably the direct result of you know listening to like the Bomb Squad, for instance. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so for those reasons, it's I'm like I'm really really proud of it. I'm feeling some trepidation about doing it live on Friday, but I'm gonna give it I'm gonna yeah. give it a shot. Yeah, it'll be um, tricky. Yeah, it's 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 a hot one, man. It's <laughs> there's a lot of hot breath involved in this. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get into uh, the parallel track for this song. So you've picked uh, Poor Folk from the Hip Hop Wieners project, which we mentioned earlier. That came out in 2002. Um, so let's have a listen to it and then talk about it. Poor Folk was such a happy tragedy. He got the black lung just like his pappy had No joke, poor folk practice magic. Their own laws, their own mathematics. And how to get something from nothing could never be teached to breach through a simple discussion. We just know what it's like to muck through the snow on a one pedal bike. Getting dosed, just a roll of the dice. Sweating alone just till I get a life. I bet it all for the chance of the bigger slice. Take the fall fuck up now and later set it right. Poor folk who provoke change are labeled strange and end up broke in a different way. Poor folks. That's my people at ease on the streets, I ain't afraid of my equals I trust that kinship exists even when I'm getting cussed at on my walk to the bus shack I just laugh knowing I'll probably end up sitting right beside his punk ass At two buck flicks eating popcorn with extra mustard gas Now he know me as a homie from his brother's class And opinions change as they will Like mine and why poor folks stealing drug deal So ignorant, thought I'd get rich legit But telling you to keep it clean would make me a hypocrite They'll never catch me cause I'm fucking innocent I slip into the background, my knapsack's a cash cow It's snakes and ladders and Jake's the adder With allies like Charles Adler It's us in a duel against them So heed the ruler up, ski and make some cool rich friends I ain't saying seek a wealthier set But at this point we'll take all the help we can get Poor folks Singing, make it lay. How the fuck you think you feel when your pocket singing, make it lay? How the fuck you think you feel when your pocket singing, make it lay? How the fuck you think you feel when your pocket singing, make it lay? 
make you feel when your pocket's singing, make it land. Poor people, the superheroes of our time, living in five loonies, two quarters, and three dimes. Who climbs ladder of success and who comes up short after the sperm donor dad opted out on child support? We import new tactics in a desperate manner, like loading a second job and you're already full platter, pulling empties to the sleet in a cardboard box. Doesn't apply to us, so don't listen when Cretchen talks in a boombox with a busted speaker with fine and beauty. Calling sick to see part two of a made for TV movie, light a doobie. Chill, you ain't no loser getting by as an art It's how well you can maneuver to all my unskilled labor people I'm down with y'all, it's like an injury to one It's an injury to all, 15 blocks home Pushing a shopping cart, grab the mail Find a bill in the kitchen, the torn apart Thinking about Money Mart and their half-assed security Dreaming about an inside job, it's all absurdity Like getting a ride home, a shame kept them steered clear uh, You can just drop me off and I'll walk from here Cause money list can leave you shunned to the abyss What's that maid thinking while on her knees cleaning your piss? Where do the moms in Walmart shoving shit in their purse? Born poor into a war, hung over you like a curse Bad credit rating, you ain't shit without a man Children getting chops to the future financial plan No chance for R R R R S P's. The money's needed now, I'm charging handlers fees Please, if you weren't needed for mindless tasks They'd tie your tube, it'd be killer will and dead homies like Ice Cube Hey you little prick, why don't you get an education? At least my neighbors talk to me, no need for explanation Into complication to your insurance, so stay on guard Screwed for so long, we know how to party and party hard And not Visa cards squabbling over the john I got stocks and bonds in my craft to keep it on Take extra precautions in that neighborhood your car will get stolen in that neighborhood Never walk alone in that neighborhood It's that area, it's dirty, it's no good How the fuck you think you feel when your pocket's singing make it land? How the fuck you think you feel when your pocket's singing make it land? When I say nervous break, you say down Nervous break, down, nervous break, down When I say nervous break, you say down Nervous break, down, nervous break, down That's Poor Folk, that's Hip Hop Wieners, which is uh, John Smith and Pip Skid um, from 2002. That's a good song. Um, I remember the lyric, oh, you'll never catch me because I'm fucking innocent. Is that from uh, Bottle Rocket? Do I have that right? Yeah, that's that's Dignan from Bottle Rocket, which is ironic because, you know, you go like I, I still love Bottle Rocket. I probably watch it at least once a year, but. You know, when you go back to Bottle Rocket, it's very much about the spawn of rich people just kind of not having no direction, and yeah. and so they get into crime for fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is fun, which is funny and ironic to come at the you know in a song like this, <laughs> which is which is like we're not getting into crime for fun. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's out of so, necessity. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that, I mean that's such a great quote from from a great movie. So. <laughs> It's funny listening to that and the two different styles. Obviously, throughout the hip hop wieners re- record, there was you know the contrast of the two styles of your of your writing style and Pips and and the chemistry. But 
I guess since we're on that on this topic for this whole episode, you know, you you sort of paint these pictures and tell these stories, and then he's kind of more direct, where it's like, I can't get a credit card, I can't save for retirement. That's absurd. Very much more like, um, not direct, but just more like, you know, what life is really like in in very very um, basic terms, maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, it's Pip's coming with with kind of direct concrete evidence and examples and as usual i'm just kind of feeling my way along um but yeah you know it's you know there's another part in that song right at the start of the verse that i lifted and uh and it's from peter tosh from a documentary called stepping razor red Mm -hmm. x and that was i believe that kind of played a role in both pip and i's uh verses but yeah he basically says you know poor people are magic you know like because they find a way to get something out of nothing Mm -hmm. um and it's and it was always interesting to me you know peter tosh and and very specifically the documentary about him were were really influential to me in my late teens and early 20s um i've probably watched the documentary 50 100 times at this point right um and you know it always what it did i think one of the reasons it resonated with me was because you know there's a there's connections in the words and in, and in the language and the way they spread um and it's you know there's there's so many rap songs about you know try to make a dollar out of 15 cents you know which kind of becomes you know an idiom in the in the in what i perceive to be the black community that's really the community i hear use that phrase um, and yeah, it's it's just interesting to see, you know, using language as a as a crutch or a source of strength or a way to pass down wisdom or to center yourself with a little bit of calmness. Um, and yeah, you know, it's 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 important for people to recognize, like especially now, you know, like because things. Things are worse now than they were before. You know, when I wrote this song, shit wasn't good. Uh, but you know, when I wrote this song, you know, I was about to move into an apartment that cost me three hundred and eight dollars a month. Right. Uh, um, those those apartments now, uh, and I say this, you know, because I know from speaking with someone who who still lives there, uh, those apartments are now eleven and twelve hundred dollars. Uh, they didn't increase in square footage you know some they hired some people to come in and put wood laminate on top of the real hardwood floors and put a bath fitter um in in the bathrooms and and you know they put faux granite uh on the counters in the kitchen um but you know those price those those apartments are three times as much now and and uh minimum wage has barely moved you know so yeah um so yeah i mean listening to it retrospectively it's funny because you know things seemed hopeless then (laughs) right and and now it's you know like shit they're not even hiding shit anymore you know like they're they're really playing in our faces uh, and daring us to survive at this point Uh, there needs to be a massive overcorrection to make life affordable uh, uh for poor folk in this moment and uh and i don't see relief coming anytime soon especially not with uh 
with the people we got in charge here in North America. Right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the last track we'll play from Prairie Nelson. And again, this is sort of, I think, on the same theme as, as The Prestige a little bit. Um, we dropped this track as our first, first single about, I guess, in maybe July. I can't remember exactly when. And this is one of the first songs that we recorded together for this project. This is called Art School Kids. Bazooka Joe 204 from Perry Nielsen. You see, I came up on in battles, believed in meritocracy. A poor kid from the north again and rap like it's the lottery. Ticket for the journey, man. The craft and the quality. Why y'all was at burning, man? I'm languished in poverty. My fam is the renters, never ever the owners. No cabin for the winter, no second home in Kelowna. My efforts and my patience will put your pussies in comas. Paper cuts till you perish. My only use for your diploma. And I never could compete with them on school kids. No, I never could compete with them on school kids. Too concerned with what to do, how I do it, then I did it. And I never could compete with them on school kids. I never could compete with them on school kids. No, I never could compete with them on school kids. Too concerned with what to do, how to do it, then I did it. And I never could compete with them on school kids. What's a five year plan? I'm flying by the seat. After you quit your band, your mama buying your boutique. My life is light of hand, I'm a motherfucking magician. Something out of nothing, your special skill is nepotism. Only thing in my future is death. Janky maneuvers, I get drinks and shooters. My set is a gang of losers. I bet you claim perseverance behind your success and not generations of wealth. You think that being broke's a test. For me, broke's the mean, the median, and mode. Just living's optimism, cheating death is the code. Not insisting I'm a victim, but I never knew hope. And ain't stopping till your doctor father's head in the road. Because I never could compete with them art school kids. Nah, I never could compete with them art school kids. Too concerned with what I do, how to do it, then I did it. Then I never could compete with them art school kids. I never could compete with them art school kids. Nah, I never could compete with them art school kids. Too concerned with what I do, how to do it, then I did it. And I never could compete with them art school kids. Deep concentration, working towards infamy. Turn your installation into a murder mystery. Embracing my misery, debasing civility Making my mark with scissors and taping it for the kids to see I never could compete, so I'm cheating Sledgehammer to your feet, that's the opening weekend Splattering drop sheets from the moment ceiling The devil is in the deeps, you got no hope of leaving Because I never could compete with them art school kids Nah, I never could compete with them art school kids Too concerned with what I do, how to do it, then I did it And I never could compete with them art school kids I never could compete with them on school kids. No, I never could compete with them on school kids. Too concerned with what I do, how to do it, then I did it. And I never could compete with them on school kids. There you go, art school kids. Um, that was the first single from Prairie Nielsen. And um, did we mention that the album comes out on Friday? Friday, Friday, Friday. Uh, what can you say about that track? Well, um,. You know, I had a great video treatment for it that we'll probably never do. Uh, <laughs> but does, uh, does it involve you know, assaulting? Is it, is it like uh, violent? Is it violent? It, you know, I was gonna make it cartoonish violence. <laughs> when it 
when you get to the third verse, it, you know, and it turns into like this violent fantasy after, you know, like what I consider is two verses where I make pretty astute, articulate points about, uh, about, you know, how the arts works and surviving in the arts. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I don't think it'll ever be made so quickly. I'll break it down, but it basically it was going to be me and a couple people as servers at an art gallery opening night mm-hmm. serving serving uh uh drinks and and crudite to people um and then in the in the in the second verse i i slip out and into a full body black leotard or unitard <laughs> um and then so the whole second verse is me doing like modern dance in front of all the enthralled uh artsy types and then in the third verse uh while i've been distracting them with my body and my my movement uh my hypnotic movement and body um the my co- my you know my my co-conspirators are tying ropes around the legs of the people who are watching the performance and uh, and then the third verse is them slowly being raised up to the roof while the money falls out of their pockets <laughs> and then we would collect the money <laughs> and, and pick <laughs> so technically not the easiest shoot no uh, probably unlikely to happen but man i wish i wish it could have happened maybe if we had an animation department it would have been easier <laughs> but yeah well that sounds like uh and, you know, an arts grant waiting to happen. So somebody needs to write that up because that's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, but... You know, art, the Arts Council likes to eat itself or whatever, populate yeah. itself. So. It, would, it would be an act of, it would be a radical act on their part to hand me a fistful of money to, to make that happen. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, like, you know, I've kind of been doing the rounds on the podcast, so I'm apologizing to anyone who's kind of heard me rant about this already, but... You know, um, I, you know, foolish or not, you know, I, I, I knew I wasn't going to university. My folks didn't have the resources uh, for it. And, you know, when we moved from Churchill to Winnipeg and I went to a school of 1800 people as opposed to 900 people in the entire town of Churchill, I just I, I used to be, a, you know, I was a I was a good student. Uh, and for a long time, I was I was an exceptional student. And just, you know, the the moving, the, the upheaval within my family, the, the massive amount of people in this school and, and the people who got attention paid to them kind of put me in a, in a place where, you know, I didn't believe school was an option. And, and, you know, again, foolish or not, I put all my eggs into the basket of, of rap music. Um, and it's interesting looking around at you know 20 years later who's still in the arts who isn't what the people that were in the arts um you know how they felt about it and and what they were able to go on to do you know and and you know for some people making music is a rite of passage for your high school and or university years it's a thing that you kind of pick up and play around and then you put down and then you go do your adult stuff afterwards and that wasn't wasn't really an option for me um, you know, I don't want to paint a picture of absolute desperation and being completely destitute, but times were tough and, and trended away from that. And, uh, and I always felt a little bit of a disconnect between myself and the people who could 
not put everything into it and who could just kind of treat it as a little bit of a play thing. Um, and, you know, you look around at, at what those people are up to and, you know, it's they, they maybe live, lead whole lives where they can pick up identities and drop them down willy-nilly. If you have resources, you can do that, you know? Like, yeah. you, can, you can decide, you know, to leave, you know, I'm not going to mention anybody specifically, but, I mean, there are people who, you know, get into things professionally, decide that it's not for them, and move their entire family into a Winnebago and become influencers um, and literally, you know, puddle jump all over Canada, kicking it in national parks and collecting thousands of followers and sponsorship and brand money for it. And that's not an option for most people. You know, yeah. it's certainly not an option for the people that I grew up with and, and call family. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's I'm going to use this thing for for my ends. And um, and when I'm sitting in a room full of you know people in the arts i know that most of those people are coming from a different place than i am and have survived in a completely different way than i have i'm i'm super grateful for all the things the arts has managed to give me you know like there's so much travel and exposure to things culturally that come as a direct result of making music yeah um and you know i'm i'm super super grateful for that for all the adventures i've had for and for everything that came along with it the good stuff and the bad stuff um but uh but i do believe it needs to be stated for the record sometimes the differences uh between how how the arts work for for um for for people who don't have money awesome um I wanted to ask about what you picked for your sort of companion song to this and what the parallels are, because this is sort of not obvious to me. Um, and I, I want to say what I, w- what I would have picked, but you go ahead first. Tell sure. me. So I picked What Gets You Over. Um, that's right, right? Yep. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, it is. Yeah. So I, I picked that. Uh, I picked What Gets You Over because... You know what gets you over is a song about um is a song that kind of was like a status report of me choosing the arts putting everything into it and then getting into it and and feeling like maybe it isn't the thing that you thought it was uh realizing that surviving within it um was precarious at best um and not only that the motivation for the powers that be um, are completely different than my motivation, um, and so so in that way, I feel there's a parallel because um, the, what, where art school ends is the logical ending of what something like what gets you over begins, um, which is the process of me starting to observe it, figure it out. Um, and again, want to put it on record that, you know, like, um, putting everything you have into, you know, you know, what gets you over kind of leans a little bit more into the technical side of things. Whereas like, where, you know, what it's saying is like, it doesn't matter how good you are at this thing. Uh, what they want is something that they can monetize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so for me, that's where the parallels are drawn in that, you know, art school kids is, is kind of like 
the logical extension of a group of the same kinds of thoughts is it was my approach to grouping them together right cool so what did you think well i guess you know when i listen to both art school kids and the prestige and i and i see a guy you know you as someone who has you know definitely a chip on his shoulder when it comes to going into other circles circles of more privilege right yeah um and so then when the song i think of is uh i think it's um one too many for the none too friendly right that right where you're clearly like you have a girlfriend who's of means and you're trying to fit in in that world um and you know it's fiction or partial fiction or whatever it's on pinky's laundromat but that to me sort of epitomizes both those songs in different ways but that was something that i would draw a parallel for sure yeah yeah and i and i considered it but then i also remembered we we covered it on our first podcast yeah yeah i'm trying not to go for repeats but definitely (laughs) it's it's of the same family and of the same thoughts you know but i'm fascinated now to with what you've just said to listen to what gets you over with a new fresh set of ears so why don't we do that all and right. then we can come back and wrap it up. This is What Gets You Over. This is from Growing Pains. I think it's the last track. And um, this beat is kind of crazy. I don't even know what I was thinking when I built it. So listen to it because I do a lot of like repeating and stabby, repeaty things that I don't really didn't really do at this time. So I think it's kind of interesting in a lot of ways. Let's check this out. I love this song. It's also long as hell. It's almost six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Just to move through the smoothing like Pat Poos and K-Slay Today the A&R drooling 
That's what gets you over. That's um, from Growing Pains. And you shout out Pimp Doe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that guy. <laughs> you know, Pimp, Pimp Doe was a guy who did a thing that I really dislike. Um, and that is kind of try to stomp into a local already existing music scene, tell everyone through their actions that they think they're all doing it wrong and that they're going to be the person to get it right. Right. Um, uh, and yeah, I've always really despised those people, that, you know, w- whether or not you want to be a member of, of, of your local hip hop community um, is a real, it's a different thing now, right? 20 years later, or 15 years later, it's different now. People go out and find their own community online for the most part, but um, but yeah, you know, if you if you want to make music in your town, uh, it's it's a good thing to check it out first before you go stomping around and and kind of putting ideas out that suggest that everyone in your town is a bum or not doing it right. So I've actually mentioned him a couple times in songs on my record, um, you know. And after having met him personally a couple times, I didn't change how I felt about him. So, <laughs> so I, was- I don't. I was Go getting conf- I was getting confused between Pimp Doe and Pimp T. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I think Pimp T's an East Coast guy, right? He's East- yeah, he became Brockway Biggs. Right, right, right. So yeah, so this isn't that's not about him. This, <laughs> this is about a a guy in Winnipeg. I believe at the time, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to talk too much about him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Too, he's already got more He's got more airtime than he needs. Yeah. But um yeah, you know, and and in listening to it, Rod, and looking for those parallels, you know, there is something shared in both of them, and that's that it, it's it's about me looking at something and saying, I thought this was a meritocracy. Yes. Uh, and then realizing, you know, having the realization that not only is it not, but it's slanted in a way that favors some people over others. So, yeah. so I think that's the real parallel there. So that song was the last song I wrote for Growing Pains. Yeah. Um, I was uh, getting to a, a point where, like, pressure had started to get to me. And uh, and I was kind of, I remember writing it, kind of sitting down and in a hurry um, to record it before leaving. Like, I might have even recorded it bef- just before leaving town. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, we got... We got the distribution deal with Universal. You know, a couple weeks later, I was in Vancouver recording Growing Pains with all the hope in the world that, yeah. you know, this could be the thing. But I also, like, you know, was listening to a steady stream of people who were realizing, especially rappers from the South, that, um, you know what, fuck it. You know, like, I'm going to... I can listen to the to these kind of overlords of the industry and they can you know rip me off and um you know tell you tell you you're not writing the type of the right types of songs or whatever um and you know a lot of those artists from the south to me the most you know influential on me would have been chameleonaire at the time who was definitely someone who did came up selling tapes hand to hand and and not only that like uh becoming so powerful as an indie artist that he basically had his say you know he was turning down deals with major labels um and so that's what i think that's like a you know kind of added to the rhetoric of like 
you know, the powers that be not only don't care, but maybe don't even fucking know better, you know, like, yeah, that that song is such so of its time, you know what I mean? It's like a relic of its time and, and the industry, you know, has gone through several different iterations since then. But the spirit remains. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's funny you mentioned that is is um, we did. You know, I actually worked on a, on a music video and met someone who hooked me up with a deal with Fontana North, which was distributed by Universal. And this is sort of like, you know, we had we'd been working so hard, but I was starting to run out of run out of gas to have sort of the sort of um, output that we'd had in the early two thousands, right? This is two thousand and probably six, two thousand seven. Yeah. And um, and so basically, you know, we did a bird record and your record through them, and you know, it's like we're not recouping or anything, of course. And I, the, I feel like I feel like you know beyond not doing much for us, they also they also put us in a place where we had to sell our CDs for more than we had ever sold them before. Is, it, is that correct? Um, possibly, possibly because they would be going through. You know, there's just more more chains that would be going through. So it's like now you now Universal needs their cut, Fontana North needs their cut. Yeah. Whatever Kevin's company was needs their cut, and then and then peanuts and corn, you know what gets what's left. So it was like the prices at the store were higher, and we were getting less, yeah. and, we were, and we were selling less, and um, and they also ordered all our back catalog, and so then when they returned it all, it was just like I owed them so much money. Like I think I wrote a check for I don't know seven eight thousand dollars. It was just so painful. <laughs> um, which is always hard to write one check at, you know, like <laughs> settle that. Um, but uh, but but Kevin, who had got us this deal, was like, "You never have to pay them back if you keep making records." He's just like, "Put out four records a year, and you'll be fine. Like it'll never it'll never catch up to you." And it's like, I don't have four records in a year in me right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I have one record a year in me right now, and it just yeah. didn't, didn't work. Um, you know fun little learning experience that was a bit of a disaster but <laughs> you know the, the song the truth remains in the song then yes absolutely yeah. um but hey we got a new record coming out in just a few days and it's not distributed by universal in any way shape or form it is uh <laughs> It is distributed by Pinions of Corn Records, independent, and the best place to get it is on Bandcamp. Go to pinionsandcorn.bandcamp.com. You can order it. If you want to really support us, then you can actually just say, I want to pay $7 for this piece of music as opposed to 0. .0007 cents every time you play it. You know, if you want to support these this endeavor, and, you know, this is basically... You know, nobody's getting rich off this thing, but it helps to be able to, you know, buy a little studio time or a little bit of gear to make some music or whatever. Pay for a photographer or just all these sort of little things that we try to do. Um, then that is the way to support us at this point. That's kind of how it's looking. And the big way would be to go and see you and pay $10 and go and see you play live on Friday night, right? Yes. If, if, if we're pleading... Um, Let's plead, which which isn't my want, but uh, 
But if we're pleading, I will say that you don't have to worry about this money going to the downtown bars. I'm I, I'm looking for tuition money, folks. I'm going back to school in January. Um, and uh, I got to pay to go to school, man. And it would be really nice to uh, to feel some love in this way if you can afford it. I, uh, I'm super excited to be playing live. I'm excited to see EI and Cairo and the other special guests we got arranged. And, uh, and I just want to see you people in your faces. I, I really genuinely miss, I, I miss the Winnipeg music and rap community. Um, we, you know, we've managed to keep in touch via Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you can always follow me at BazookaJoe204 on either of those platforms. Um, yeah, I, I love you guys and I miss you all. And, uh, and it sure would be nice to see you at, at the show. There you go. Sick. So you can check out the album on Bandcamp or on streaming platforms on Friday. You can go to the out. Al- what you do is on Thursday night, you get the album at 11 o'clock central time, I think is when it starts to appear. And then you you listen to it from 11 p.m. on Thursday night all the way until you go to the show at what time? Like 8 o'clock or something? Yeah, it's, on a, Friday? it's an early it's an early show because it's outdoors so i need the the performance part of the night has to absolutely 100 percent be done by 10 p.m oh i love it so, that's my kind yeah. of show I, I feel like this is a this is actually a good thing it for is. all the people who need to get babysitters and and things of that nature um you know as much as i love you know smoking joints outside of the albert at 1 15 a.m about to go on stage <laughs> Uh, oh, this man. is this That's is great. a little bit more grown up. That's good. And um, so yeah, at, at eleven o'clock, the album comes out, and you can listen to it. It's about forty minutes long, I think, 35, 40 minutes. So you could probably listen to it. I'm just doing the math. Probably listen to it about sixteen, seventeen times in a row. Learn that shit, and then go to the go to the show and see you perform it and sing along to all this, all the all the words. Yeah, learn. You can learn the hooks, so mm-hmm. you can get really involved, and maybe and help help you out with the prestige, so that you don't yeah, have to, yeah, have to you say can, every line. You can do my backups on the prestige because I'll, I'll need the help. So we're gonna do one more of this series, this podcast series about this album, Prayer Nielsen, because there's three more songs to get into. This has been really fun to dig into these. I think this is really good stuff if you're into the details and knowing about the music. So we're going to do that in two weeks. Two weeks will be the last one. And um, by then, the album will have gone platinum, I'm sure. And um, <laughs> we'll be, you know, we'll be rich. It'll be good. Yeah, it'd be, it would be nice. <laughs> All right. Forward. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's really great to uh, get the feedback on the social media platforms, all that. Thanks to David from UGS Mag for hosting the podcast, putting it out, and helping to promote it. And thanks to you, Joe, for um, taking the time and giving us so much good insight. No sweat. Looking forward to Friday. I want to hear what you think of the records, everyone. And I would love to see you at the beer can on Friday night. All right. Beautiful. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And good night. Peace.